this ratio which was say 65 and you knew in advance that in four years time it's going to 100. That, that was a foregone conclusion. Okay, so how could you take advantage of this knowledge as a speculator? Sorry, can you say that again? <laughs> it was announced in public, it was a law, that in four years' time the uh, resumption will take place with the effect that the ratio, which is now say 65 cents, will go up to one dollar in four years' time. Mm. So you could... Uh... Not today, but in four years' time. Well, you could accumulate gold and silver, mm. right? Well, because so silver, particularly. Uh, okay, why? why? why is because it? silver is worth 65 cents, but in four years it will be worth a dollar. That's no, no. So, no, no, there was a rigid uh, bimetallic ratio, so neither could run ahead or stay, uh, stay behind. They would have to move together. But... Oh, okay. But, hmm? Okay, the, the mint is close to both gold and silver, but will be opened on January the 1st, 1879 and you prepare for that, and you want to profit by that. So you accumulate gold and silver in anticipation of this, because 65 cents, uh, you know, you can buy uh, gold and silver now, and then convert 65 cents worth of gold and silver. No, the question is, the question is, will there be more demand for silver or gold? In other words, the number of people who take their monetary metals to the mint, will there be more taking silver or taking gold? This was unknown. So you could bet that I think gold will be more in demand or silver. But the really smart speculator, the really smart speculator would do something different. Buy the greenbacks. Rather than... Hmm? Buy the greenbacks. Sorry? Buy the greenbacks at a discount to their face value because they're going to be redeemable at full face value in gold or silver. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? But was that, that they didn't make provision for that, per se? <coughs> well, in 1879, the greenback is going to be redeemable at par value for gold or silver. Yeah. In 1875, the greenback traded at yeah. discount. Yeah. 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 And now, that, would, that would give you the flexibility to choose either gold or silver in 1879. Mm. Now, the really smart speculator, <laughs> the really smart speculator would say, 
perhaps I can influence the outcome. There is a race. There is a race of gold and silver getting prepared for the start. Okay? When mint is open to gold and silver. But the real Spartak, and actually he had to be small, so smart that it was that an individual speculator couldn't do it. There was a conspiracy, or well, that's my theory anyhow. The bankers conspired and they said it's so much more, e so much easier for us to influence the money supply if it's pure gold and so much more difficult to influence the money supply if it's pure silver. In other words, as far as our profession is concerned, we wish that we wish that no opinion. We wish that silver was eliminated. We don't like silver. We hate silver. We love gold because gold is more or less concentrated in bank walls. But silver is out in the hands of the people, which we cannot control. So we have four years. Can we do something about it? Okay. Uh, sure. We do what we can in order to prevent the opening of the mint to silver. <coughs> and then we do something even smarter than that. Rather than speculating in the gold market and silver market, in other words, arbitraging, you know, if once they decide that that's what they want to do, then it's obvious that they will do arbitrage, namely sell silver and buy gold as much as they can. And they have access to paper money, so they buy the gold and then sell the silver. And if they can pull the trick and the mint will not be open to silver on that day, then they cash in, because that's going to be a big uh, 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 what's the word? Windfall? La, uh, fall. Windfall? Windfall. Windfall. Yeah, thank you. Or godsend, or whatever you want to call it. Now, but then the really that's the top <laughs> the level of smartness say hey why arbitrage gold and silver why not arbitrage gold stocks mining stocks and silver mining stocks isn't that the smart thing to do you know and and I think that's what they did in preparation for resumption day. They sold the 
silver stock, mining stocks, and bought the gold mining stocks. <coughs> and then how they pulled the trick that in 1873 this little mistake was made and they dropped the, uh, the uh, silver dollar from the list of authorized silver coins. I, I don't know. But perhaps they just uh, bribed the clerk in, <laughs> in the treasury who was copying. Inside job. Hmm? Inside job. Inside job. Ah, that's it. Inside job. And they didn't even have to break in. Bribing, bribing was sufficient. And, and when, when that happened, and the mint opened and somebody took the silver to the mint and wanted the silver coins back. The mint said, sorry, we have no authority. How come? I mean, well, read the act, Coinage Act of 1873. Well, I want silver dollars. Sorry, the silver dollar is not on the list of authorized coins. We can't do anything. You know. Now, this is very interesting. Because if you look at the silver chart showing the world price of silver, how it fluctuated, you will see a very conspicuous drop after, right after 1875. You know, in other words, all this information was available to the public that Germany has already demonetized silver. The United States perhaps wasn't immediately clear to everybody, but uh, if somebody really wanted to understand and study, he would come to the conclusion that in fact silver was also demonetized in the United States. So it's two important countries. And then there was a period of two years and not much happened to the silver price. Not much happened. And all of a sudden, 1975 and immediately thereafter, the silver price took a nosedive. Now this is very interesting. Because seemingly there is absolutely no relationship between the Resumption Act which looks good to silver as well as it good, looks good to gold, both. And then it turns out that it's, it's the end of silver. Because ever after, silver started falling with some reversals, but basically it was a free fall. Very interesting. There must some, that's the smoking gun. 
you know, that some smart guys did see the relationship, that no, that's no good for silver, it's good for gold, but no good for silver, that the United States will phase out the greenbacks and go back to the fully fledged uh, but, uh, did I say gold standard? Resumption, not of gold standard, but resumption of the bimetallism which existed before the greenbacks were introduced. So because of that, they, because some people did see that this is no good for silver at all, then this decline started. So you see, I, I'm saying that normally, if really the uh, sequence of events had to lead to the fall of silver, then it would have happened earlier, somewhere here. No, it didn't happen until just after 1875. So that's the smoking gun. Now, I worked out a little research plan for myself, and then when I looked at the uh, record, which I would need to justify this assumption, this is pure speculation on my part, uh, I found that I, <laughs> I won't be able to complete that research. However, I find it very interesting that nobody else is doing that because that is why I find it's too big a job for me uh, to do. Because the, the available record is scanty. Not as far as the silver price uh, chart is concerned, that's all there, and the mining stock prices, but what you have to do is you have to calculate the standard deviation. The standard deviation of the of the mean gold stock price, I mean silver stock price, uh, or rather the actual gold stock price from the, from the mean. Mm. Okay, that's a mathematical tool which gives you the discrepancy, the degree of, uh, you know, there is a price chart and it's in a way, it's a measure of volatility, right? It's called price moving average differential. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's uh, well, <coughs> probably it's no big deal. Somebody no, no. who has a computer mm -hmm. and is uh, handy with it could just run these. But it's, it's uh, time consuming and complicated and so And therefore, I. I said, I'm out, I'm not going to do that. But what I am suggesting is that if you had done that, probably you will see this arbitrage. It will show up on, in the standard deviation. 
That's my suggestion. Because <clears throat> it's sensitive enough uh, tool, the standard deviation, to show extraordinary buying, such as the banks would do when they sell silver mining stocks and buy the gold mining stocks. So, uh, you are looking for the date when they started this large scale, if it's true what I'm suggesting, which may not be, but I feel very strongly, because there's something missing. A piece, the last few pieces of the jigsaw puzzle do not fit. And uh, I'm suggesting that it could be found if you ran this analysis of the uh, uh, mining stock prices, both for gold and silver. That's the smoking gun, and I cannot get any further than that. So I'm inviting your comments on this. One, one thought that occurs to me is prior to the Resumption Act of 1875, both gold and silver are not officially, you know, legal tender. It's on a paper standard. So therefore, there's a market for gold and a market for silver, and both of them are equally good within their respective realms, even though it was already true that silver was not accepted uh, as, a, as a legitimate coin, but the mint wasn't coining anything anyway. So it didn't matter. In 1875, all of a sudden they say we're going to resume coining, but only gold. And so at that point, why would you keep silver? So I think any uh, individual speculator could make the same realization. It didn't necessarily have to be a conspiracy at that point. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So, you know, just like today, both of them are not money, so there's a market for both. In, you know, but if the government said we're going to have gold only and not silver, then the ratio would go to 100 to 1. Yeah. yeah. Probably. Yeah. I, I think this is convincing. This is, but uh, don't they make the mistake that it was a foregone conclusion as early as 1875 that uh, the mint will remain close to silver. This was not uh, recognized probably. Only if you had some way to influence the events. Because I think uh, if, if you could not interpret this uh, Act, coinage Act of 1873, then you are in the dark. But some people could, and some people saw that they can e influence the events by hook or crook. They, they, uh, the bankers didn't like silver, that much is clear. So when you were at the crossroad and say, now we are going to resume in a couple of years, and we could go this way, and we could go that way. If we go this way, it will be bimetallism as it was before. 
but if we go, go that way, then silver will be out in the cold. The mint remains close to silver. So, I, I, I think it was not betting, just uninformed betting that we like gold more than silver. It was the insight of people that there is enough power in the hands of the banking industry to push the events that way. They didn't like silver, I repeat, because silver was in the hand of the people. It was distributed widely, whereas gold was in concentration. Most gold, some gold was out in the hands of the people, but the bulk of the gold supply was in the hands of the bank. And if it could stay that way, then the banks would be able to influence the changes in the money supply much more easily than they could if there was bimetallism. So they have a vested interest. They have a vested interest. Um, okay, I may not be right. So with that, I think I would like to see more uh, comments. What, did, what happened to the gold-silver ratio after uh, 1879? Oh, it, 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 it rose and, and uh, quite a bit. Very rapidly? Well, uh, you know, it was zigzag, but, uh, but uh, unprecedented changes. I mean, just imagine that for, uh, for uh, at least several hundred years, perhaps we don't have to go back before the discovery of America, but uh, uh, you draw a chart of the bimetallic ratio. It's barely visible that there is a fluctuation. Barely visible. It goes on, 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 until 1875. Uh, and then it starts rising. First, perhaps, goes from 16 to 18, that's in itself a big rise, and it may fall back to 15, what did I say, from 16 to 18, falls back to 17, and then rises above 20, and falls back a little, and so on, like that. Between 75 and 79? No, 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 79, there, has, there could have been, I haven't checked that, another big jump, followed by a reversal. Remember, these reversals are, are always there because there are 
people who are taking profit, they are on the right side of the market and they uh, are sitting on paper profits and they take profit, that's the expression, which means that uh, at that point they reverse their market position uh, and they are wrong because they <laughs> didn't see that actually the trend will continue. But uh, no matter, the fact is that jump after jump after jump in between small reversals, uh, the ratio went from 16 all the way to one, uh, 100. There was one major reversal after World War II, and actually to explain that, uh, we have to uh, mention the role of India. You see, India had huge hordes of silver before World War One, and uh, and I think the uh, British government borrowed silver from the Indian government. Indian government. <laughs> well, well, they didn't just help themselves yeah. the silver. They uh, they uh, borrowed. There was a proper treaty or contract and uh, even interest paid and uh, at the end of the war they, they had to repay the silver to India and then they looked around and <laughs> found that <laughs> there was no silver. They spent the silver during the war in the hope that, uh, you know, at these low silver prices they can easily uh, get silver to satisfy the Indian uh, government. And then, uh, at the end of the war, they looked around and there was no silver. So they started buying silver. And this sent the ratio way back down to something like 17, mm. you know. And even there the United States had to help out the British to settle their uh, obligation of repaying the silver to the Indian government. Now that was the only time that the silver price went back to the official, uh, uh, close, no, not exactly, there were little difference. Uh, the only time during a hundred year period that this happened. Otherwise, that was just an uptrend. Well, even with that, it was an uptrend, but that looked like a serious setback, but it wasn't because very soon uh, the uh, silver price recovered, enough silver <coughs> was attracted to the market so that uh, uh, silver resumed its, silver price resumed its uh, free fall, which 
in terms of the ratio, market ratio, gold and silver meant this uptrend continuing, going all the way to 100 in 1933, which was at the bottom of the Great Depression. Any more comments on my little pet theory of the smoking gun? And it was the bankers who conspired against silver. Wouldn't have had, it's, it's, I, I tried all kinds of explanations to, it's, just didn't fit the picture. You know, that one does. That one does. I, I've got a comment. Um, England was on a gold standard from uh, 1817. And 1817, England, well, British Empire was still supreme. America couldn't oh, really yeah. compare to no. the United Kingdom. Now, if you look at the history of, because the pound sterling was originally defined in terms of silver, and um, they consistently overvalued gold compared to continental Europe. And when Isaac Newton was master of the mint, he suggested the, that the you... Guinea? Sorry? The guinea? Yes. Well, he suggested that you have to adjust the ratio to make it more in line with uh, continental Europe. So they were at about sort of 14, 15 to 1 in the UK, gold-silver ratio, whereas in the continent it was sort of 13, 12, that kind of... So anyone that sort of... Silver just left the country, and the, the, the state of the silver coinage just became very poor and what was circulating was certainly well below par. Um, so then they changed that sort of, you know, 1817 said we don't understand what's going I don't think they really, now whether they understood the mechanics of fixing versus non-fixing, I honestly don't think they did. They, they, they weren't sort of far-sighted enough to see that. So they just probably thought, okay, no silver coinage left, let's just, you know, the legal basis for pound sterling is silver, but there's no silver in the country. So uh, we need to change that. And Where did the silver go? It went to the continent, because they the were continent. overvaluing gold in the United yeah. Kingdom. Okay. So that was when the mint to silver was closed, 1817. Mint to gold obviously open. Um, then you had the Indian mutiny of 1850, so... Um, Victoria was the first Empress of India, and then 1850-1860 must have been the zenith of the United Kingdom's powers, and she was accidentally on a gold standard. Mm -hmm. So they had to follow suit, but by hook or by crook, so whether they did it with uh, malice or forethought, well it, it seems like they did, but the British themselves might not have done it with malice or forethought. It mm -hmm. was just through uh, an accident of um, fixing ratios at the wrong rates. Mm. Sort of. Because 1816 is still well before all of this <coughs> is happening. And there, wasn't, there weren't that many gyrations in the gold-silver ratio, I think, from 1816 to, 18, to up to here. Yeah. Yeah. But that's just a 
comment. Well, that's, that's very interesting. It, it means that the movement close the mint to silver has a, a prehistory. It didn't start with the, the victory of, of Prussia over France. It started with the just after the Napoleonic War. You didn't point it out why 1817. But what, <coughs> what happened was that Britain abandoned the gold and silver standard uh, when the Napoleonic Wars started to uh, having an impact on the markets. And then the pound was paper money, irredeemable paper money, just like the greenbacks. But they, of course, had full intention to return to using the American term to resume. And now I'm not familiar with the details, but in 1817, when uh, was the British uh, resumption day, they just uh, left uh, silver out. Because there was no silver there in the country, effectively. I don't see that, because if that was the reason, mm. if that was the reason, then okay, the door is open. If nobody comes through the door, that's, that's okay. <coughs> You've got overheads still. <laughs> you can't no, keep no, the silver gold, uh, gold coinage. Oh, gold, gold yes. Well, yeah. same people who made yeah. the gold silver. Mm. Anyhow. And that, uh, there are very interesting mm. questions you can ask about 1817. But the fact is that this was after the Napoleonic Wars uh, were over. Napoleon was safely tucked away in the San, San Helena Island. Mm. You know, didn't get back his Alba, mm. Alba Island mm -hmm. empire, mm. but he, in fact, was a prisoner mm. in the island of San Helena. And, uh, and uh, the uh, British pound went back on the, on the gold standard, but no, no silver standard. I, I think there are some interesting questions one could ask about that. Okay. Co coffee break and back in 15 minutes. Thanks very much. <laughs>